My name is Carly Oath. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. I am Dana Alston, arts and culture writer and film critic for the Daily Emerald. This is Troy Campbell Podcast Volume 2. <laughs> uh, last last volume, we spoke about the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 uh, and sort of what Disney's trying to accomplish with their Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Troy, this podcast, I thought we, were going, we could talk about a class that you're teaching um, that incorporates a lot of things that you learned as, during your time as a Disney Imagineer. And then we could sort of talk about at the end how all those things fit into the class. Yeah, sounds great. Okay, um, just give it a little background about yourself. How did you come to work for Disney in the first place? So I like to say that all my dreams came true by the time I was 23. Um, because when I was 23, I went to work for my hero, which was a, a professor at Duke University named Dan Ariely, who's a behavioral economist slash psychologist. Um, he has a great book called Predictably Rational and some wonderful TED Talks, if you ever have the time. And uh, he had a project with Disney, and he needed to send somebody to work for Disney um, on these things. And so he sent me, and uh, at 23 years old, I got to walk into uh, Disney Imagineering and just start working on research projects with them on uh, experiences in the park and also at the Disney theaters that they own. Great. So just to describe a little more, Disney Imagineering is basically... Disney R&D. Yes, it is. Excellent. So um, what what kinds of things were you responsible for during your time as an Imagineer? So I'm not going to, I'm actually not going to be able to talk about some of the specifics of the sure, project because yeah. it's still related to IP okay. um, that they have. Um, but so I was there um, during the time when Disney was first starting the initiative to have magic bands or an app. And so Disney had signed an exclusive contract, which allowed them not to have a downloadable official Disney app for a long time. And that contract was finally expiring. And so in Disney, this is back in around 2010, there was a sort of debate under um, all the different branches is what are we going to do in the parks? Are we going to have an app or are we going to have these magic bands, these RFID tag bands? And so I was part of um, research into apps and things around that to how you would guide and help people with their park experiences. And then exper- and those apps were then uh, used in different uh, Disney experiences from cruises to theaters and stuff like that. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about Disney parks since we're on the subject. Um, Disneyland for many is maybe the best run theme park there is. Um, what are, what, from your perspective as an insider, what can you offer in terms of how they achieve that sense of wonder that many people identify while going to Disneyland. Yeah, so I think the easiest way is to get specific. And so let's talk about individual rides and then we can get broader. Sure. So Disney has this principle that a ride should do, can, can do three things and every ride that's good should do at least two of these and ideally three. And that is take, thrill, and connect. So it's take you somewhere magical or different Uh, So the idea is that you're always going into the future, into the past, or into fantasy in Disney. The other thing can be to thrill you. And the last thing about it is that it's related to something you already connect with, so that you already love. So it's related to characters and stories. Star Tours is literally taking you on a tour 
into Star Wars. Um, all the dark rides that take you into the fairy tales are taking you into places that you already know and love. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what distinguishes Disney from all other theme parks to some degree is that they're really good at making each ride do at least two or three of these things. And if you if you know any Disney ride that existed in Disney and no longer exists in Disney, it's because it failed to do these things. Uh, so they had a ride in California Adventure called Malaboomer, which was just a ride that took you up into the sky and then dropped you. And so it did one of the three things, which is it thrilled, thrilled you, you. Yeah. but it didn't take you anywhere and it wasn't strongly connected to anything. I remember going to California Adventure during the early days of that park opening and enjoying my time there, but I always preferred to go to Disneyland because I felt it was more of an experience. And so now that you've brought those three things to light, I can understand why I remember some of the rides like the Malibuomer and others that had more in common with a a ride from another carnival than it did with Disneyland. Yeah, so, uh, and if you look at even the ride Mulholland Madness, which was there, which was a smaller roller coaster, that ride was shut down and uh, reopened as Goofy's Sky School. Hmm. Um, Because again, It had a little bit of thrill in it, um, but it wasn't connected to anything anybody loved. And that's why the Dumbo ride, even though it's the simplest ride in the world. In Disneyland proper. In Disneyland proper, which just takes you up in the air, is it thrills you a little bit, but it's also connected to Dumbo. And that's that's what sells it. Yeah. To this day, I still think the Dumbo ride is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and you can see in in uh, let's talk about a couple little touches that sure, happen. Yeah. In this. So even in California Screaming, the roller coaster, which seems like a very traditional roller coaster, has a couple elements. One, it's it's uh, got a Disney theme to it. Uh, number two is it's got your thrill, and then number three, we actually do get sort of taken somewhere. So the roller coaster actually starts by taking you down and putting you along the water. Right. And that's a very different experience that you've ever had in a roller coaster. And it starts you there and then zooms you off. And that's just a that is literally a little bit of Disney magic that you don't see with other roller coasters and uh, or don't see with a lot of different roller coasters. Right. And one of the elements that I always found interesting about Disney is that they take you somewhere. And with within the places they take you, they include Easter eggs. Right. So I remember Cars Land. Um, I was talking with you a little bit before this podcast, and I mentioned that in the movie Cars, there's a scene where in the middle of the town, there's a blinking yellow light or yellow traffic light. And the camper, who's supposed to be this psychedelic stoner from the 60s, is going, telling you, man, every third blink of that yellow light, it blinks slower. And then in Cars Land, they have a recreation of that town, and they have a, the blinking yellow light, and every third blink, it blinks slower. And that is such a minute detail that they chose to include on purpose. It really goes to show the level of detail that Disney puts yeah, into their And parts. that's the immersiveness. And it relates to another Disney principle, which is design for the first ride and design for the design for the first ride and design for the hundredth ride at the same time. And that is very, very true about Disney and California Adventure. Um, those parks, I believe the statistic is on an average day, of people in the park have been there in the last 300 days. And so they have to have an experience that's incredibly rich and re-consumable. So that fact that 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 attention to detail is so important and uh, those ways in which people can 
was we'll talk about exercise and develop their fandom and fandom expertise. Well, yeah, and about fandom, I mean, I remember, for, let's take it from my experience, for example. I, I, my mom loves, when she goes to Disneyland, to plan out her entire path of a day so that she can hit the most rides as possible. And I'm sure lots of people have these diff- different kinds of experiences, and they almost seem built into the park. They make the park an interactive experience. For example, they ha- give you options for for lines. There's a single rider line. You can get a fast pass, or you can go in the normal normal line. Um, is that purposeful? Yeah. So, so we've talked a lot about design principles, and yeah. uh, at the end, I'll I'll mention a couple of my favorite, um, such as tone and uh, portals. Uh, but uh, in my class, um, uh, which I call my "everything can be awesome" class, <laughs> not everything is awesome, but everything can be awesome if you if you understand how to make things awesome, is one is all these design principles we've talked about. But the other is really thinking about the individual. Um, and that's something that Disney does really, really good. And so you're, you're, talking, uh, you're talking about uh, how your uh, family enjoys being an expert in Disney. Mm-hmm. And that's what pe- people actually really love this about Disney, is that they love that Disney is a place that's almost a challenge. And they love all the ways in that they learn to game the system. And Disney knows that you're gaming them. And they're fine. There's a reason that they haven't stopped these sort of loopholes in parking in other ways. Because they know that that brings people joy. And all these different things they do to allow you to become an expert at Disney. From noticing where all the hidden Mickeys are around the park to learning how to best design your uh, time in the park with the fast passes. Everybody has their own thing that they learn, their own like little back pathway to the way in which they actually let people sort of break the rules, as I said, like that. And the other way, you know, uh, on days that are less crowded, when I had a Disneyland pass back when I was in college, I would go to the Brother uh, Bear play area, which has all these nets and stuff. And uh, I was an a- I did acrobatics back then. And those literally were trampolines to me. And we just go do backflips on them and have fun and break the rules. And uh, Disney knows that by letting you break the rules or letting you have a little bit of alcohol in California Adventure, because it's paired with this like perfect kind of idea of Disney um, is actually um, really um, enjoyable. So they deliberately juxtapose the image of Disneyland as this wonderful place where no one breaks rules and everything's a magical magical mm-hmm. with deliberate rule breaking. Yeah. The, yeah. And like there's like two versions of Disney, right? There's regular versions of Disney. And for lack of a better term, there's dirty Disney. Um, and they some of their products are dirty Disney um, with the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas products. And mm-hmm. even some of the stores that are on downtown Disney are uh, definitely intertwined in that way. The other thing that they're really good at doing is they're really good at convincing you that you are a Disney person and welcoming you. How so? So Disney has made, so two of their last advertising campaigns have been this beautiful synergy of advertising experience and fandom. So one has been celebrate. And so the idea is you're going to the Disney parks and you're celebrating yourself. So you used to be able to get free in on your birthday. And so that made the, the time at Disney about you. And their new absolutely amazing campaign is the hashtag Disney side. 
Mm-hmm. And so instead of in their commercials telling you, hey, we have this roller coaster in Disney World called Everest, and it is amazing, they don't say that. They say instead of marketing the product to the consumer, they market the consumer to the product by saying, you have a Disney side in you, and you can let that out, and you should go let it out at the park. And then the park convinces you that you are full of imagination and that this is the place that that believes in your imagination. And so um uh, so Disney actually has a lot of people like me who are, you know, psychological understanding people. Um and uh recently they had during the Marvel and Star Wars integrations, uh they worked with a woman named Susan Kresnica, which if you ever want to Google, you should Google her name, some great interviews on the internet. And so she uh, had this sort of discovery in one of her projects where there's no really such thing as a casual fan. That everybody has, and instead you can see people as having a really, really strong fan component of themselves that comes out at a certain time. So people like to get Disney crazy, yeah. even if they aren't always Disney crazy. I mean, I for much of my youth, I just assumed that Disney was a, was more or less a youth brand. But as I get older and more and more of my peers appear, as you described, Disney crazy. I mean, coupled with you describing right now, which is a little bit like unveiling the man behind the curtain, yeah. it's crazy to think about that this is all integrated yeah and disney's really good at understanding that as an adult you aren't going to be crazy disney all the time you have a disney side that sometimes reveals itself and so go reveal it at the park you can be any type of person but you have this imagination and this disney component of you and you can come into the park and i think that's a little bit sort of manipulative and manufactured i was going to say i was going to say but i also think it's just generally true so I just generally think it's true, in part because Disney has integrated themselves in all of us, that we do have this little component about us, and it can come out of the park. And money aside, I think, and and I have some issues about the fact that Disney is incredibly expensive. Um, yes. And I have a very unique relationship with Disney, which is I've never really had to spend any money on Disney products. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you talk a lot about how they're more or less manipulating us, but... Mm-hmm. At- they're also manipulating us so that they could you can buy a $20 cup. Yep. Which yeah. is, yeah. we could talk a lot about the evil side of corporate America, but yeah. Um but they are uh but they also are but as I say in my class manipulation is just a thing you do. Yeah. And manipulation can sometimes be a great thing. When I'm feeling sad and my girlfriend tries to make me feel better, she is manipulating me and that is a great thing. I'm so glad that my girlfriend manipulates me. Hope she's not listening. Um, <laughs> take that out of context. Um, and um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing. Um, I think that there is, if you can be responsible with your money, um, then everything Disney does is great. If you are not responsible with your money, everything Disney does cannot be that great. And I think that that goes in general for all forms of business and capitalism. And uh, things like Black Friday or things like that as well. Sure. And that's the kind of thing you will, you'll explore in your class coming forward. What's the name of the class? Uh, so I teach. Oh, it's how everything can well, be so awesome. It's, it's technically consumer behavior, marketing 435. Um, but okay. I call it everything can be awesome. Um, in part because uh, m- even in my marketing students who take it, not all of them are going to be consumer behavior specialists. Sure. So I want them to show how they can make everything awesome. So. One of the things, uh, another design principle before we get to this last thing that Disney does really well, uh, to go back to the design principle, uh, they do two things um, 
really simply with some of their rides. And one is they create portals. So you don't just get on a ride at Disney. You go through a queue, which is themed, and you gradually go into this world. And you go through a, quote, negative space, um, um, a limited space where it's not on the outside. It's not the ride. It's the cave. It's okay. the, it's the, it's the command station. Sure. And that experience allows you to sort of feel more immersed once you get into it. Okay. And that's something we can all use. If you're designing a party, if you're designing a restaurant, you can have a portal. And the other thing that Disney does really well with some of the rides that we all can take, no matter what we're doing, uh, is they're really good at being tonally consistent and staying with one tone in one space. So if you go into Fantasyland, all they have a bunch of different rides that do different things to you, but they all have a theme. Mm-hmm. So Snow White, uh, Snow White's is literally called Snow White's um, Scary Adventure. Yeah. And so that's the scary ride. I actually remember... Quick an- quick anecdote, since we're on the subject of Snow White's Scary Ride, that is the most terrifying ride at Disneyland for mm-hmm. me, by far. The Haunted Mansion does not even come no. close. No. Um, yeah, it's. I remember going through it when in high school, because we were, as a band kid, I would go to Disneyland a lot. And um, yeah, <laughs> there, there's a part where the old woman with the apple comes around the corner and says something, and we all screamed. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's very effective. And D- Disney is fearless sometimes. Like they will do something that will, you know, that will shock kids, but it will create a strong impression. Yeah. Um, uh, Zootopia recently is a movie that is a very socially minded movie. And uh, that took they were fearless in the sense that they that they put that out. Um, but Disney did it well and they made a billion dollars on that movie. <laughs> And but ka-ching. All, all, uh, yeah, ka-ching. and all the fantasy land, uh, all the rides are about one thing. So scary adventure, uh, toads, the wild ride, um, uh, Peter Pan is the adventure um, ride. And when you go on those rides, you do one thing. And so lots of times students or lots of times party designers, lots of times consumer designers, they try and make things about everything at once. And if you've seen a movie called Batman v Superman, if you try and do everything at once, it doesn't always have the greatest impact that you want it to have. Call back to volume one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so Disney's very good at making their content about one thing. And whenever you're doing a presentation, whether you're doing whatever you're doing, making sure you are not doing too many things at the same time uh, is is important. And Disney does a lot of different things in that park. Yeah. And but they when they are doing one thing, they do one thing and that creates a building blocks of a lot of things. And the other thing about Disneyland is one of my favorite questions to ask anybody is to ask a Disney fan is what what do you like least about Disney? Everybody hates something about Disney, but that's not the problem. That, that's not a problem. <laughs> Disney shouldn't change that. It's a huge touchstone for some people. I think the Tiki Room is horrible. I completely agree. Some people love it and they probably love it because we both think it's horrible. And yeah. Um, but yeah. So um, uh, the third little component I wanted to talk about. So we talked about the individual and we've talked about design principles. Uh, but the other thing that people often forget is no one consumes alone. So you have to think about social principles. And Disney is very good at understanding that this is a social experience. So having rides where you're competing against each other in a very fun way. Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. Um uh, makes you have a very nice social experience. Yeah. They're good with fandom communities, 
And if we want to have a very specific example is that there's these Disney pins. And uh, so Disney has these collectible tradable pins. And if you are in the park the next time, look for people with a lanyard and you'll see that they have a bunch of pins on them. And all lots of the Disney employees do. And you walk up to different people and you trade pins. And you'd think that the reason that Disney has this is just because they can sell more pins and and whatnot into the marketplace. But it has these amazing connecting moments because someone will see a pin on another person that they've always wanted and they'll go up and interact with that person. And it is a way in which Disney facilitates the interaction of strangers. And that's in happy beautiful ways and uh, that's so great I actually so as a as a Disney Imagineer for one of my projects we created our own pin so no one had ever seen this pin before and I walked into the into the park and it was one of it was an amazing day did you get crowds of people running up to you yeah and I, I put a couple in my pocket so I could I could trade them um, I could give people different things and stuff what, what did your pin look like what did my pin look like it was an environmental Mickey pin um, uh, I think it was called Friends of the Earth. Classic character, great cause. Uh, yeah, and um, and people really, really liked it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's. I think you've provided a really cool in-depth look at the um, at the inner workings of Disney. Yeah. And uh, what your class is called? So my class is called um, Marketing Four Three Five Consumer Behavior, and everything can be awesome. Uh, I teach it in three parts. Uh, the first is uh, the individual. So that's where we're going to understand identity and individual differences and also a little bit about irrationalities. Irrationalities in the park is something Disney needs to understand right. and was part of the thing that we were working on with apps and curating experiences. We also think about the social component, which I talked about, and then the design right. principles. And I always start with the individual and the social because when anybody's trying to design something, they usually skip the individual, they skip the fandom, they skip the social interaction, and they just want to go to how do we make the walls look cool in our restaurants? And Great. you have to you have to start with the person and you have to start with the fact that we never consume alone or we hardly ever consume alone. And you gotta deal with those two things before you get to all the cool fun stuff like portals and thrilling and aesthetics and stuff like that. Well if you want to learn more about portals, individual individuality, design, you can look up four three five uh, marketing 435, Everything Can Be Awesome. Are you teaching it next term? I'm teaching it in fall 2017, yes. All right, with registration coming up. To keep, keep on the lookout for that. This has been the Emerald Podcast Network. Troy, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, and i just also add that, you know, it's really hard to get in that class. Okay. Um, so if you have any, if you just want to uh, talk to me ever about this stuff or you're interested in research or any of these ideas, uh, you can just shoot me an email. I'm Troy Campbell. Look me up on Google. All right. Thanks again for joining us this afternoon. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. If you'd like to listen to more podcasts from the Daily Emerald, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud, or you can go to the Emerald Podcast database uh, at dailyemerald.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for coming in. That was, that was great. I still have all my Disney pins. Yeah.